Tony. Michael, how are you doing? Living the dream, my friend. How are you? I am living the dream by talking to you, uh, uh, to be honest. Well, thanks. Uh, congratulations, season three of uh, Returning the Favor. It's out of control. I know. It's crazy. Uh, truly, I, you know, this morning while I was doing my research, you know, and just kind of getting, uh, seeing some more episodes of the show, I, I just couldn't stop watching. <laughs> um, it's, it, it takes you heart and soul. I hope so. You know, it's a, the goal was to do a, a, a completely authentic, very honest show, but also a feel-good show. And those two things don't often go hand in hand. But I think, I think we figured out a formula where the production company is allowed to produce the kind of show they want. And I basically have a documentary camera there that never stops shooting. So I get the kind of show I want. And we smash the two things together in the edit. And what the viewer gets is a really honest look at how the sausage is made and an honest look at bloody do-gooders in little towns and neighborhoods all across the country. And, and, and storytelling uh, in 2018, 2019 has changed from what it was about 10 or 15 years ago as well. It has. And I think people do want that honesty. Yeah. Well, look, I tried, I mean, it was a very tough sell uh, back in the first season of Dirty Jobs. You know, the idea of having a behind-the-scenes camera that really worked sort of as camera A. You know, that was, that was very different. Um, but today, you know, with YouTube and Facebook and all the content out there, the viewer, you know, the viewer can smell a fake. They can, they can see when it's real and they can see when it's not. And so I don't, I don't see any upside in take two. I mean, roll the cameras, show the viewer what actually happens. And if you're really trying to highlight genuine, authentic people, you ought to try and do a genuine, authentic show. But your, 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 uh, your staff, the, the, your camera crew, your producer, these are all incredibly talented people to kind of keep up with all of that. They are. And they're also people who have worked in my industry for a long time. And, and it's funny, I, I kind of joke with them all the time, but they're looking for redemption, right? These people have worked on Real Housewives, respectfully, and a whole lot of other shows that, you know, don't necessarily uh, always leave you feeling great about the species. Returning the favor is completely designed to be the one thing in your newsfeed guaranteed to make you feel good about the species. So everybody on the crew is thrilled and honored to be working on a show that they're genuinely proud of. Our business, Tony, as you know, uh, doesn't always afford people the opportunity to feel great about the project. Um, I've been very fortunate over the years to to genuinely like what I do and to genuinely love the projects I work on. And this is another one. You know, I, I was watching the one that you did uh, here in Utah uh, about the, the toy maker. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, there's 8 point million views of that show. That, that in itself is an incredible feat to accomplish. Uh, and then when, you're, when you, you know, tie that in with that this is a feel-good, you know, kind of moment, people are clamoring for this kind of thing. I swear, I, I don't know why more people aren't doing this kind of show, but 
You're right. That guy, his name was Alton Thacker. He's, he's 86 years old, right? I mean, everything in TV now is like, uh, what about the demo? How are we going to get the millennials to watch? You know, everybody's fighting over the same tiny little fickle audience. This show, I don't, I don't care what the demo's watching. I, I care about the people that we're featuring. And if I, can, if I can put something out there in the ether where there's an 85-year-old guy at the center of it, and get 8 million views. Uh, okay, I'll take that all day long. And, 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 and as I was coming on with you, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering because I am so, I, I love your career, by the way. <laughs> I think you have done some really, really wonderful, groundbreaking things with Dirty Jobs and the way you presented that. But I'm thinking, is there a way to gift this show so I'm, I'm thinking, why not share it with people that you love? Just, just hit that share button, and, and it'll appear in somebody else's feed. I think people need to see what you do. Well, thanks, uh, first of all. And secondly, this is the advantage of being on Facebook. You know, for better or worse, you know how you're doing in real time. Now, you don't have to wait for Nielsen to come out with numbers. You don't have to wait for some reviewer to come along and give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You just... You, you can log on to your page and you can see it. I have 5 million people on my page. They program returning the favor. All the ideas come from them. So I know how we're doing as we're doing, you know, and, and that, that's cool. So you can pivot, you can adjust, um, and you can also manage expectations. If I do an episode that does, doesn't work out great, you know, I can shrug and go, hey, man, what my idea? So, so it's a really, it's a really authentic way uh, to look at production, and um, and I think it's the future, honestly. Well, before we we say goodbye, because I know your time is short, and you've got other interviews stacked up, like airplanes trying to land at LAX. Um, how are you spending the holidays, and and what is next for you? Are you producing other things? Are you involved in other projects and charities? Always, um, my foundation. Uh, called MicroWorks, evolved out of dirty jobs. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary. We give away uh, work ethic scholarships to people who want to learn a trade. You can check that out. I'll be doing a lot of that over the holidays. Um, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I swear I'd never even considered it, but more and more lately I'm looking at dirty jobs again. And I'm thinking maybe it wouldn't be so crazy to go back and revisit that show. Um, I got a podcast that I write every day called The Way I Heard It. I got a show called Somebody's Got to Do It that used to be on CNN but is now over on TBN, which is doing great. Um, so between all that stuff and my foundation, I, I'm busy. I'm going to hang up with you. I'm going to hop on a plane. I'm going to go to North Carolina. And I don't even know why. I don't even know what I'm doing in North Carolina, Tony, but I'm going there because somebody said I'd better be there and I'll figure it out when I land. That's my life. And what a beautiful life it is, honestly. I, I, I would like people to tell me where to go and just go. So Be careful what you wish for. In this industry, people will tell you where to go. I've had many producers tell me where to go, but I don't listen to that. Me too. Mike, have a very happy holiday. It was a pleasure talking to you, and we'll catch up uh, on something else, I hope. Merry Christmas, Tony. I appreciate it. Tony, what's happening? Mike... 
Mike, how are you? Living the dream. I know we uh, we keep we keep running into each other on these satellite interviews. You need to come out to Salt Lake and sit down and do a real interview with me. I, you know what? I would love to. I've never had a bad time in Salt Lake City. I've had a weird time, but but never a bad one. Well, that that's why it's here. It's a weird place, <laughs> um, and and we love you out here. Thank when you. I announced that I was talking, when I announced that I was talking uh, uh, with you. I had I got like fifty emails saying, "Hey, tell Mike Rowe we love him." So there you go. Well, thank you. Tell him back. I I love him too. Well, now uh, I mean you you you've authored books before, but the New York Times bestseller uh, right now is uh, the hard way or the way I heard it. Yep. Uh, I'm holding it up right now. Um, terrific book. Thanks, and it is kind of the hard way. Uh, you know, it was not the book that I sat down to write, but it, as it turns out, it was the book that uh, <laughs> that wanted to be written. Uh, it, it it it's it's a journey of of from there to here, and and you've done some remarkable things. Well, most people who who know me or recognize me, uh, it's because of Dirty Jobs. The show's been on for fifteen years now. It still airs every day, but. Um, before Dirty Jobs, I had maybe 200 jobs in the entertainment business. And uh, like I said, I, I didn't really sit down to write a memoir. I sat down to put together a collection of the biographical stories on my podcast, these short eight-minute mysteries. But for whatever reason, I blame my mother primarily, who said, Michael, wouldn't it be more interesting if you, if you shared with your readers the personal reasons why you wrote about the famous people you've never met you chose to write about. And I thought, yeah, may, maybe it would. Anyway, that's what I did, and uh, go figure. People seem to like it. Uh, what, what is, in your career, what is the best advice you've ever gotten from anybody? I had a lot of good advice. I had a, uh, I had a high school music teacher who, who used to say, what, not how. The minute you screw something up, it's almost because you ask yourself how you're doing. The better question is focus on what you're doing. I didn't value it much when I heard it, but looking back, it was great advice. I had a, my grandfather maybe gave me the best advice at all, uh, of all, when he said, you can be a tradesman if you want, just get a different toolbox because the handy, the handy gene is recessive. I wanted to follow in his footsteps, but I just didn't. It just didn't come easily to me. But um, look, I had, a, I had a grandfather. I had two great parents. I had a grandfather who was just a vending machine of advice. A high school music teacher who changed the trajectory of my career, and and Dick Clark actually, who pulled me aside one day. I, I hosted a game show once called No Relation. And he was very complimentary, but he said to me one day, he said, look, when you go out and you say, hi, everybody, I'm Mike Rowe, he said, that's wrong. Don't do that. Don't say hi, everybody. You're on TV. It's true. You're talking to a lot of people, but the folks at home, they don't want to be part of everybody. They just want to be them. So just pick one person in your mind and talk to them. And I've been trying that, to that. really that. is great advice. That's, that's, that really is pinpoint advice if for anybody that's coming into this weird business we have is to, is to talk to one person instead of everyone we call it broadcasting and it makes us think okay now we're talking to the masses but that's not that's really not what it is that's partly why social media is so is so engaging 
because it gives everybody a chance to broadcast, but it also is still, it's micro-macro. It's very, very big, but it's also very small. And I think that's kind of the trick to what we do, right? You have to reach a lot of people, but you have to do it one at a time. You know, one of the first jobs I ever had in this business, I, I was living in Southern California in Ontario. I was a cameraman at the old home shopping network. Um, <laughs> You know, and this is when they were doing the auction version, you know, where people would just bid on stuff. But you worked at QVC, didn't you? Oh, yeah. What what year were you doing your thing in Ontario? Oh, my gosh. It was 70, maybe 74, 75. Wow. So, yeah, I was 89 on QVC. It was still new. Nobody was quite sure what it was. I had auditioned a couple of days earlier by and, and, and got an offer because I talked about a pencil for eight minutes straight. That, that was the audition in those days. And they put me on live TV for three hours at a time uh, to see how I would do talking about objects I had never seen before. And that's what I did for the first three months. Uh, then they actually hired me for the next three years. I was fired three times. They rehired me each time. It's hysterical. But it was a very, very strange time, you know, and, and looking back, Tony, uh, every useful thing I learned that helped me in this business, I learned in the middle of the night on QVC trying to fill time uh, by talking about products I could neither explain or describe. Well, that, that goes into your improbabilities. It goes into, you know, just keeping it going. And uh, I, I, I respect and understand that completely because that takes a different kind of muscle uh, than what most people are used to in this business. It's strange. And that's why in the old days, nobody knew how to hire a home shopping host. If you hire a salesman, they might not know what they're doing on TV or be uncomfortable on camera. Get somebody who knows TV, that doesn't mean they necessarily know how to sell. Um, I, I wasn't particularly great at either. I just didn't care. I, I auditioned to settle a bet. I was singing in the opera at the time, and QVC came to Baltimore doing a national uh, talent search. I just went down to see if I could get a call back to settle a bet. They wound up hiring me on the spot. And, you know, if you if you look back at your life and you try and find a moment, you know, where everything is connected, it's it's easy. And that was a big moment for me. Me talking about a pencil for eight minutes brought me to this chair. And that's really what the book does, too. It talks about those weird little crossroads and nexuses in your life uh, that bring you to wherever you wind up. Yeah, and you can even talk to me for eight minutes. See, that's that's all led to this interview. <laughs> Um, about 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 your book, uh, and and again, it is a New York Times bestseller. Am I correct in that? It is. It went to number four the first week. I was uh, I was humbled. Well, that's the way I heard it. Um, anyway, I, that's a bad segue, Not bad. isn't it, Mike? Not bad. And as no. you'll notice, Tony, the only shirt I own is the shirt I'm wearing right now. It's the same one I had on the cover of the book. <laughs> I swear to God, I didn't I didn't plan it. It it just it's just the way I roll these days. Well, everybody's got to get this book. Uh, it makes a great gift. Christmas is coming up. Get get it for everybody you know. It's uh, available where every book is sold. And listen, before you go, I want to make an actual invitation for you to come out to Salt Lake during Sundance and be my guest at Chef Dance. We're having Martha Stewart come out and cook, and I'd love you to be on that VIP list to well, be would... pampered and fed. That, you know what? 
I can't remember the last time I sat next to Martha Stewart and was entertaining. I would, I, I would love to do that. When is it? When's Sundance this year? Uh, Sundance, I think, is the 24th through the 28th or something like that. It's, it's, it's that week. But okay. if, you, uh, if I can get in touch with you somehow, maybe through uh, the satellite people we're talking through right now, sure. I will send you an actual invite and have it all set up. Perfect. I'll give them the, uh, the email. You can ping me at work. Uh, I appreciate it. Mike, thank you so much again. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, come on out, please, please, please. I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks.